Hello. Today we're going back in time to a disastrous off-the-plan purchase and its devastating effects, but which ended up leading to the creation of Flat Chat. I'm Jimmy Thompson, and this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Hi, today I'm again with Sue Williams, my partner in crime and other things. Today we're going to be talking about a venture we got into several years ago. We bought off the plan and found out all, just about everything that could possibly go wrong was buying in Strata in Australia. Uh, Welcome, Sue. Thanks, Eugene. So do you remember uh, going back and watching that building going up? I certainly do. And it was kind of the very early days of off-the-plan buying, so everything was very kind of fresh to us, really. So we bought an apartment in 2001, and it looked like it was going to be great. And We watched it going up, and it looked like it was going to be fantastic. Um, It had a gym and a pool, 24-hour concierge, you know, professional building management. Yeah, I remember when it was going up, driving past and thinking, oh my God, this looks like a British council building from the 1960s. But it did turn out to be a lot nicer than that and had fantastic views. Um, that was another thing. So we were looking for a place that had two offices mm-hmm. and, and obviously somewhere a bedroom. And this fit the bill. That's why we branched out into buying off the plan. What else attracted you to it? Um, also, it was pet friendly. In those days, there were very few apartment buildings that were pet friendly. And we had two cats, so we were kind of very concerned that it would be fine for them as that well. That was one of the first questions we asked, wasn't it? Mm. How, how, are, how are you on pets? And they said, oh, the bylaws allow you to have pets. So... The great day arrives and we moved in and that was all fantastic. It was all very nice and it had the new car smell. And then we went to the first AGM. Do you remember, did did we know what the AGM thing was all about? Because we'd lived in apartments before. Well, this was our first off the plan. Yeah. So So we didn't know about first AGM and how important it would be and how it would probably set the scene for the rest of the time there, really. Yeah. Um, Because a a businessman put up his hand to be the chairperson. He seemed okay. Other people um, volunteered to be on the EC. I did as well. Yeah. Um, I remember because uh, I remember him deciding that because you were a journalist, you'd be able to type and therefore you could be the secretary. (laughs) That's right. And... um, but then things started to go wrong very rapidly, I think, because then the chairperson, the newly elected chairperson, suddenly announced that the building, he was he was going to propose a bylaw that the building not be pet friendly. Yeah, he said, first thing we're going to do, we're having a bylaw that will be no pets. Um, Which was incredible because so many people had bought in there because of pets. Um, yeah. The people in the penthouse had had couple of little dogs yeah, you know we had our cats other people had dogs although i remember one young man jumping up and saying there's no way this building will allow pets you know i'll do whatever it takes to stop it so it was pretty much divided mm. along those lines i mean just rolling it back a bit the developers were there and the the strata manager was mm. there yes that's right because the developer appointed the building management company and, um, Which they, is different from the strata manager. Yes, that's right. But they also appointed the strata management company yeah. too. So they had the strata manager and the building manager. And they kind of they gave a little speech saying this is a really good way to to proceed because they were also doing the building management themselves. The developer right. was also doing it himself, but he just appointed the strata management company. Yeah. Um, he was saying it's a really good idea to have the developer also be the building manager because 
then you've got kind of a very streamlined process for everything you need. And we thought, oh, we were that convinced. sounds okay. We were totally sold. <laughs> it was, uh, and then, and then, um, the to his credit, the strata manager, when the chairman uh, stood up and said, "Okay, we're going to vote on a bylaw to ban pets," he said, "Well, no, you can't do that because it's not on the agenda." And I've caught, there was great huffing and puffing, I recall. There was, a, there was also a lot of shouting and screaming from people like us who were going, absolutely no way. This is the basis that, on which we bought into the building. So, um, we all had to go off to start negotiating about this bylaw that was going to be brought into Ban Pet. Had any of them, I think, had the slightest inkling of how Strata works, they would have just given up there and then because half the people in the meeting wanted to have pets and you need 75% to change the bylaws but nobody knew anything did you get that feeling as well Mm, that's right we were all completely in the dark really it was kind of a new exciting adventure and it was kind of one that we all felt we were embarking on as a real community um, people were kind of very friendly and you know wanted to get to know each other well to (laughs) To begin begin with with, until the pets thing kind of really divided everybody um, so it was kind of a, a leap very much into the unknown. Nobody really knew what was in store. And looking back, had we known, I don't know if we'd have ever bought there, really. No. I mean, it's all worked out fine in the end, but it was a tough row to hoe back then. And the, and the people involved, and I, I was thinking about it today, it was very much, I felt, the meeting of the old way of running apartments and the new way that we now experience where people choose to be in apartments, they like the lifestyle, etc., etc., etc. Whereas the people who wanted to run the show were of a mind to, you know, you don't matter, even owners don't matter, this is the second best choice, you know, if you had money you'd go and live in a house. And uh, and these two cultures, there's a big culture clash there, which uh, was the focus, the focal point of that was the pet issue. And maybe, you know, in the old days, perhaps people moved into apartments because they couldn't afford houses. But that was the first group of, of, the kind of first wave of people, really, who were moving into apartments because they wanted to live in a really nice, high-quality apartment. Mm. They were kind of, they had a bit of money. They might be young professionals, they're really articulate, or they might be downsizers who are cashed up. And so it was kind of a, a different population from previous populations who'd, who'd been in apartments, I think. Okay, let's go back to the building manager that was also the developer. How did that work out? Do you recall? Well, things began unraveling very, very quickly. Um, the building manager wasn't terribly experienced, it turned out. And his idea was about, his main aim seemed to be about cutting costs, which was mostly about cutting cleaning. So the hallways and lobbies very soon became very dirty. And he didn't seem to have much idea beyond that. So what was the whole thrust of the cost-cutting thing? Because I seem to remember him constantly boasting about how I'm cutting this and I'm cutting that because of his Christmas bonus. That's right. He desperately wanted a Christmas bonus from um, the developer 
And um, he'd obviously been told if he could cut costs, he'd, he'd earn one. And it involved things like buying pool chemicals for the swimming pool. Uh, a year afterwards, we discovered this huge room filled with pool chemicals that he'd been buying from his, I think from his brother. Who, his brother-in-law or somebody. Yeah, some who had a, a pool chemical company. <laughs> and so he'd been amassing this massive stock. I think it was enough to keep us going for the next 20 years. Yeah, I remember also there were three tiers of, of people in terms of the way you got looked after. If you were a tenant, you were the lowest rung. If you were an owner, then you were slightly higher. But if you were on the committee, you were treated like royalty. That's right. And that's kind of a very wise decision he made, really, because when people started complaining to the EC about how incompetent he was and how he did play favourites, a lot of the EC said, well, no, he's been great. He's been fantastic for us because they didn't realise that he was, you know, really treating people very differently according to their Absolutely. what he perceived as their status in the building. For instance, you know, if an EC member locked themselves out, he would immediately get his master key and, and let them in. If it was a tenant who'd been locked out, he would give them the phone number at best of a locksmith who would come and charge them a huge amount of money, really. And probably with some nice... Commissions, yeah, that's right. to the, the building mm. manager. He was, yeah, and then there was the whole security issue. You remember the stories that were going around that our building had a, a Spider-Man burglar? Do you remember that? And and there were people saying that this new building had a, somebody who was climbing up the outside balconies. And it wasn't so much stuff was getting stolen, but people were coming home and finding that stuff had been moved and... Mm. And then we later discovered that it was the building manager and the concierge staff who he employed who was letting himself into people's apartments when they were away at work during the day with his big set of master keys. Yeah. And we only, you know, there's these rumours going around the building that that is what was happening, but nobody quite believed it until, unfortunately, (laughs) he went into the apartment of the um, treasurer who was actually in the shower at the time. He, yeah. he had assumed she'd, she'd gone out to work, but she'd actually had the day off. And she came out of the shower to discover him sitting on her couch with his feet up on the coffee table reading magazines. Yeah. And then we realised that this was a really serious problem. Yeah. He was a, a real shocker. And then there was the whole business of trying to get rid of him because going to the company, going to the developer... Can we name the developer? No. No. Okay. Um, going to the company and saying, look, this guy is a disaster. You've got to get rid of him. And we weren't even saying we want to cancel our contract with you. The- we were just asking for a new building manager because the building manager we had couldn't use a computer. He kept no records of anything. He'd, he'd do bizarre things like whenever a light bulb went in a in common property, he would hire an electrician to come in and, and change a bulb, which was incredibly expensive yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um you know not using a computer <clears throat> at first we kind of felt a bit sorry for him and we started trying to teach him some basic computer skills and um he didn't really pick it up very quickly and he wasn't terribly interested because why would he need a computer he'd never needed one in, in the past he yeah. couldn't see any reason for one now yeah So then the company, um, the developer, came back and said, no, this is our choice. You have a contract with us to provide a building manager, and he is our choice of building manager. I guess we didn't realize at the time that they're thinking, well, there's nowhere else we can put this guy because he's so incompetent. Mm, That's right. And we we went back and looked at the um, contracts, and we discovered to our joy, really, that the building management contract had never actually been signed by anyone on the EC. So that, so that <clears> could be basically just 
torn up and said that's right yeah but then when we started to say okay well we can we can actually get rid of this building manager and we and can the cast, whole thing, and yeah the, the and we whole, can stop yeah. having a building management contract with the developer our strata manager came forward and said oh actually um i just received a new contract from the building management company and i've signed it and, and affixed the, seal the official it. seal. Put the seal on it. We yeah. were horrified. Yeah, especially if I recall, there was another a new clause, clause added, inserted, yeah. saying that in no circumstances at all could we sack the building manager. Or if we did, we would have to pay his wages until a similar job in a similar building was found for him. And since we knew, and they knew that there was no other building on the planet that would accept this moron as a as a building manager, we were they thought we were stuck. Mm, absolutely. And um, um, we said to our strata manager, why on earth would you affix the seal without permission from us? And he just kind of shrugged. And really, you know, he was very much, he'd been appointed by the developer. He, one assumes, would do many things that the developer would quite like to yeah. see done to the building rather than... And there was a strong suspicion that the chairman, who had we then by then discovered, had a commercial arrangement of some sort with the developer. Although he was standing there going, you'll never believe what has happened. I've just looked at this contract. They've changed it, blah, blah, blah. You've got to think he was in cahoots. Well, afterwards we discovered he, um, he, his computer skills weren't too good either. <laughs> Yeah, let's take a break and uh, we'll talk about the the chairman and uh, the shenanigans he got up to. Hi, if I can drag you away from the trials and tribulations of apartment living for a moment. When I'm not editing the Flat Chat website, I'm also a published author of both fiction and non-fiction books, a screenwriter, a university lecturer in literature and a travel writer. Using that experience and some fabulous books and movies as our guides, I want to take travellers to the Vietnam that I know and love. I'll be using real-life locations to bring some of my favourite films and books to life for you as we travel through Vietnam on my romance and intrigue tour. It's going to be the trip of a lifetime, and it will be luxury all the way. To find out all you need to know about this unique experience, click on the ad at the foot of the Flat Chat webpages or email me on mail at jimmythompson.com and ask me a question. Okay, thanks for listening. Back to the podcast. So, the chairman, this this gentleman, this, uh, you know, very professional-looking guy who turns up at the, the first AGM, he's endorsed by the developer, which should have been a re- flashing red light right there and then, if only we'd known. It turns out to be, well, he was a bit of a bully, wasn't he? Yeah, he certainly was. Um, you know, he monstered a lot of people on the committee. He threatened some people until they left and he replaced them with people that he felt he could control in a better way. And um, he he wasn't a very nice person at all. But his big mistake was the pet thing, wasn't it? Well, absolutely, because by suddenly deciding that he didn't want any pets in the building, he galvanised a whole group of people who perhaps had very little in common otherwise against him. Yeah. And people started um, thinking, well, why do we want this guy as our chairperson when he wants to overturn one of the things that we've all, many of us yeah. have moved into this building yeah. to um, enjoy? Yeah. And I remember 
it was all it's also ugly but i remember somebody sitting in the foyer of the building getting people to sign was it proxy forms or or a petition or something um as people were going to work and when they're coming back at night you know to just to say to people we're going to have to change it was the, a petition the, to have an egm so ah, that we could right so yep. that we could get rid of them Yep, that's right. But the chairperson had a very close relationship, it seemed, with the developers. And um, at one point, we started thinking about defects. Maybe there were some defects in the building. And oh, we, yeah, of course. We asked the building manager if he'd, you know, started surveys or hired anybody to start looking at for defects. Yeah. And he said, oh, yes, yes, I've done a thorough investigation of the building. And he gave us a few notes scrawled on the back of an envelope about some defects. The chairman then went to the developer and said, look, they've discovered these defects. And he came back to us and said, oh, the developer has acted extremely professionally and now they're offering us $86,000 in compensation. With one condition. We have to sign away our rights to any other action at all. And as you discovered, would that $86,000 have covered the defects that existed in the building? Later, we discovered $6 million worth of defects. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you can understand why they felt they were being so generous. But again, the chairman was, you know, in their pockets. And, and we, in fact, you know, we, we throw it casually, you know, everybody's a conspiracy theorist these days, but we casually throw out these things. But you actually, didn't they try and entice you in some way with something like an offer of a... That's right. Because um, you were on the committee as a secretary, which, which yeah. even the chairman didn't realise was quite a powerful position. Sure. Well, yes, the developer came over one day and we started looking at some of the areas in which there were defects. And the developer said to me, you know, if you want to buy another apartment in any of our buildings, we could do you a really special deal. Yeah. And I suddenly thought, wow, this is the way it starts. This, this is, is how yeah, it begins, how it really. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was the, quite shocking. And And presumably if you had gone along with that then you would have been encouraged to be on the committee of that building and oh, then continued gosh. the whole mm. viral poisonous corrupt thing mm. so the decision had been made that um, the, the building manager had to go and to make that happen the chairman had to go I think that's fair so we had our guy down in the, the lobby getting signatures for a petition for a, a general meeting, a special general general meeting, because that's what you have to do if you're going to change the committee. And then the chairman's lack of computer skills came into play as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's right, because he mistakenly forwarded an email to us all um, that had come from the developer saying to him, you know, try and get them to sign up for this uh, 86,000. And... Um, the chairman had emailed the developer back and said, oh, leave it to me. I'm, I'm in control here. I'll get it sorted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it was, wow, really? Yeah. They, they definitely, I mean, we'd always long suspected that they were in cahoots, but actually that was the definite proof that yeah. they were, you know, plotting something together. So then emails are flying around. I remember one which um, was probably defamatory about the chairman and the way things had worked out. I can say this with some authority because I'm the person who wrote it. And I remember when the, the general meeting occurred, when it happened, somebody stood up and said to the chairman, Mr. Chairman, how do you respond to the allegations in this email that's going around? And he looked at them blankly and said, what email? I don't, I don't know. And any, he hadn't checked his emails for a week. For weeks, mm. because, well, he didn't check any emails from owners because, you know, owners were so unimportant to him. 
Um, he refused any contact. He didn't want the people who'd elected him to actually talk to him. Um, and I remember then, I mean, it, it was perfect in terms of the, the coup attempt that the person who'd asked the question said, well, okay, let me go through the allegations in, <laughs> in the email one by one. So everybody in the room is listening to this guy's character being torn apart. And after the second or third thing, you know, like you have a commercial relationship, you said you were going to fix this, there's an email. He just started blustering and, and saying, this is ridiculous, this is outrage, this is a witch hunt, you know. And I remember somebody said that his problem was that um, if one person accused him of something, it was a, a, a lone voice. And if two people or more accused him of something, it was a conspiracy. <laughs> so the whole committee, well, almost the whole committee was thrown out, wasn't it? That's right, except for me. And, so, and the treasurer. I remember that you didn't have nine names. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, so we, we, to, we her, thought... to her astonishment, we, the rebels, supported her to mm. fill up that extra space to make sure the chairman couldn't get it. That's right. She wasn't a treasurer, but she was just an ordinary ah, right. member of the executive yeah. committee, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we just kind of thought she was the least offensive person, really, the that least we could effective. keep. I mean, she was well, the one who was carried the proxy for the dog owner. Yeah, she wasn't actually an owner in the building, but she was a business secretary to a person who owned a dog in the building. So yeah. she was often his proxy. And uh, she actually voted against allowing dogs in the building. <laughs> because even though she thought she should go along with the chairman. That's right. Yeah. It was bizarre, really. Yeah. It was very bizarre. All right, so we've had a coup. Uh, we got rid of the chairman and most of the committee. We, I mean, somewhere along the line here, the dog, the pet thing got bounced, didn't it? That's they, right. They so we, got, yeah. we were allowed to keep pets, yeah. But in, in that campaign, all the people who became the rebels in the building had got together, and the next thing they did was to move on the chairman and the committee and cleared out the committee, cleared out the chairman. And then what? What was the first challenge? And the first challenge was to get rid of the developer as the building manager. Right. Um, so the building, the developer kept threatening us and said, look, if you try and sack our building manager or our building management company, we'll take you to court. Yeah. And we said, bring it on. Right. We have so much documented about how poor the building manager is and how poor the building management is in our building, yeah. we will be extremely happy to go to court and tell the world about this. Mm. Yeah, I remember that, the, uh, the the developer saying, we won't forget this, and we were saying, well, neither will we. Right, so in the end, yes, we took a deep breath, and we asked the building manager to leave the building, which was a bit problematic because he got into his old car and it broke down. So in the end, we had to physically push him out of the building. So he was literally <laughs> pushed out of the building. That's right. And we were hoping that the developer wouldn't take um, court action against us, and uh, he didn't. No, and I remember the whole thing with the, the security pass keys. I remember when the com committee took over, the first thing they told the building manager to do was to destroy the the master keys that he had to every apartment. And when and we looked in the safe, we discovered he had five still. Yeah. He promised that he'd, he'd destroyed them all. He still had five. Incredible, yeah. really. So that was even more evidence. So now you've got rid of the, the building manager. What's next on the agenda? Well, then we started looking a little bit more closely at the strata management company we had. The new building management company we appointed came with us to start looking at some of the accounts 
and we were really shocked to discover that among the bills we'd been paying were bills for other buildings in the in the same development portfolio. So wow. other so you were, buildings, we electricity were bills. Yep, we were paying a lot of those. We went to the strata manager's office and discovered all the bills were just in a huge pile, all completely you know, mixed up between them. They didn't send emails. They didn't have a good computer system. It was just completely shocking. It was just piles and piles of invoices in shoeboxes, no proper system whatsoever. So we started to make arrangements to sack the strata management company at the next AGM. And they came along to the AGM and resigned before we could actually sack them. So then we got in a, a decent strata management. And the strata company. manager retired, didn't he? He just yes, I, had yeah. enough. I think he just <laughs> wandered I, off yeah. into the sunset. That's I've right. done enough damage here. He says, "I'm off. Mm. If anybody wants me, I'm in the pub." Hmm. So the next big challenge after that would have been the defects, and I think maybe we'll leave that till next week. We'll talk about defects then. Okay. Thank you very much, Sue. Pleasure. Uh, well, there is one thing that I forgot to mention. After we'd been through all this, both being writers, we decided that we should write a book to help other people. And that book was called Apartment Living, and it was published by ABC Books. And you were offered a weekly column in the Sydney Morning Herald to write about apartments. What happened? Well, I was writing for other publications as well, and the other publications said, we don't want you writing a weekly column in the Herald. Yeah. So I thought, who could do this job much better probably than I could? <laughs> and it was you, Jimmy. Yes, it was me. How that was the birth of Flat Chat. The birth of Flat Chat. So, as the old saying goes, it's an ill wind that does nobody any good. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more about the defects and how we dealt with that.